The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this episode, we are going to be reviewing the classic Christmas uh, film, White Christmas, uh, that Corey has never seen until this week, so I can't wait to hear her thoughts on the film. I hope she enjoys it as much as I do. Um, Normally, I don't reveal how I feel, but I think I've been pretty adamant about that movie so far that I love it, so um, for me, it was going to get watched just because it's Christmas time. But, um, Corey, how you doing? Hmm. Oh. I think that by watching this movie, you jinxed me because it is snowing ah. really nuts outside. I effing hate the snow. It can stay up on the mountains. I don't need it down here. I but it's like it was, really snowing. Like, I don't wish it was snowing, but I do wish it was colder. It's 66 right now. Um, but it did hit, I think it got to the 80s today. It may have just Holy missed heck. the 80s. Um, yeah, well, we had a good week where it was like in the uh, 30s, but it's it's back to like 60s to 70s, um, which is which is nice. It's nicer than normal, but it's still too hot for Christmas. Like it doesn't can, feel like Christmas. I can appreciate that, but um, you don't have to scrape ice off of your windshield when you're already yeah. running late for work. You don't have to wait for your car to warm up. You, I, I, I totally understand, but yeah. then I'm also like, I miss those days. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I want to clarify. I'm not wanting what you're going through. I'm just wanting yes. something in the middle. <laughs> to be a little cooler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something. And it's, it's, okay, so last year, I'm sure I complained a ton, but we, Idaho, like down in the valley, uh, had the most snow it's had in like 29 years or something. Mm. It beat like their record by a, an inch. And it was nuts. Like, people were snowed in places, like, roads and parking lots were not getting, you know, properly, what is, uh, you know, like, clean, cleared of the snow, and people couldn't go anywhere. Um, It was just freaking nuts. And so I feel like I shouldn't be complaining, because here we are, and it's December 22nd, and it's only rain. It's, like, snowed, you know, a little tiny bit, and it hasn't stuck. And I feel like I shouldn't be complaining, but God, I hate it. And it's, like, a winter snowstorm, so it's going to be, like, one to two inches just tonight. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's pretty brutal. Um, Yeah, it's going to—I don't think it's even going to be in the 50s on Christmas, and that makes me very sad. It was 55, like, two days ago. Yeah, yep. Well— Aside from snow, have you uh, have you got to see anything recently? Aside from obviously White Christmas, I always I have I'm the worst. I always forget what I've watched. I was watching The Puppet Master presented by Elvira recently. Like the the one with aliens or the one with the little puppets? Because um, there's with the little puppets. I love those. Um, I actually am a fan of those films. I haven't seen them in a long time, but I liked them as a kid. Um, high school kid. Um, they used to be on like Showtime or HBO or something when I was a kid, and I always enjoyed those. Um, there, well, that one's part of Amazon Prime. They've got like Thirteen Nights of Elvira or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. For Christmas? No, it's just on oh, okay. Amazon Prime. Yeah. I just was like, man, I haven't seen any Elvira in a long time. Yeah. That's Merry Christmas. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, that's. Um, I have seen a lot this week. Uh, there's a lot of movies coming out. We talked about last week. There's like five films that came out. I have seen a few of them uh, this week, plus a few Christmas movies. I'm looking. 18th is what day? Monday. So yes. I've watched um, since our last episode. I've seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, White Christmas, uh, The Greatest Showman, Downsizing, Home Alone, and The Shape of Water. Um, <gasps> Jelly about the shape of water. Yeah, uh, I, I took Taylor with me to see it. Um, I saw that. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, a little debatable. There's a couple of scenes in the film that are definitely, like, um, not suitable for children. Uh, but I knew they were going to be there, uh, and I warned her. Like, I'm like, you can look away if you want. I'm not going to make you look away. But I, I honestly, when sex scenes happen in films, I get kind of embarrassed in, in a theater setting. So I look it, away. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be the creepy guy who's just like, ooh, like, you know, like, I don't want to be that guy. And so I, mm-hmm. I like, if I look away, at least it looks like I'm like, I'm not thrilled that this is happening in, in front of me. Um, and it, I, it wasn't that type of sex scene anyways, but still, like, it was, it was a little uncomfortable for me. Interesting. I was going to say that I don't necessarily get uncomfortable in a movie set, a theater setting, but it does depend on who I'm watching the film with. There were a lot of people at our screening. We oh. went to a 1240 show on a Friday afternoon. Granted, school is out, Dang. Um, which is why I was able to go. But there were it was I mean, it's one of the smaller theaters at the uh, the Cobb in Lakeland that we went to. Um, but it still was uh, like people were having to awkwardly sit next to other people. And they were, you can you can always see when they're uncomfortable. Like they were showing up very late too, so like they were like extra like can't see. And then they're like, oh, I have to scoot past people and sit in between two sets of people. Um, it was it was pretty packed, and um, I was happy because I didn't think that was a movie that would pull in a, a an audience. It was a lot of older people too, which really shocked me. Um, but uh, the movie I I liked um, of the three new films that I've seen this week, I think I like The Greatest Showman the most. Not that it's the best movie, but I think I liked it the most. Um, the Shape of Water is gorgeous. The story is very, um, it's interesting, it's compelling, but there's there's something missing for me where it, it I don't feel like I loved it. Um, and I, not in no way am I, I can't put my finger on it. Like, I don't know what it was, if maybe it's just the type of story that didn't, like, suck me in, or I, I didn't feel as emotionally invested as I thought I would. Um Again, the performances are great. The production design is Del Toro's trademark, right? Like it's it's gorgeous. Oh, the movie is so yes. gorgeous. Um, and the monster design I thought was great. I thought Doug Jones in in the creature was really cool. Uh, and Michael Shannon again, the performances were fantastic. I don't. It, it's bugging me because I don't know why I don't feel more love towards the did movie. You, did you see that today or yesterday? Today, this uh, this very afternoon. So. I feel like it will sit with you for a little bit and then I think you'll be able to like. Yeah. And again, though, that's the thing. Like it's I'm still actually processing downsizing from last night because that's another one where like I definitely liked it, but I can't figure out how much Um, I know I didn't love it. And I I don't I think I am. I'm definitely a story heavy person. Like I don't need a story to love a movie, but I definitely love a good story. And I don't know. It's definitely more of a character study for downsizing, which was surprising to me, given the premise and everything. Because um, you have this really interesting sci-fi premise of like people shrinking um, and living like their lives as small people, like really small people. I mean, like microscopic, not microscopic, but like you know, two inches tall kind of thing, like super small. Um, no thanks. I have a problem being like five four. <laughs> and 
there's a short people joke in The Shape of Water, by the way, that might make you upset. <laughs> um, Bitches are jelly. I don't have to, like, duck when I'm walking under stuff. But, yeah, um, The Greatest Showman, though, surprised me. Uh, one, I didn't know if I would like Hugh Jackman singing because I didn't like Les Mis. I actually loved him in The Greatest Showman. Like, I loved the, the music from The Greatest Showman has been on repeat on my uh, Google Play music for the last two days. Um which happened with La La Land and it happened with Moana last year. And I actually have a playlist with just those three albums on it. So, <laughs> like... Well, I wonder, because I didn't... I've only seen bits and pieces of Les Mis and I was not, like, impressed at all and I wasn't interested. But the way that you were saying they recorded the music the other day, I didn't know that's how they recorded the music. And I wonder if that had something to do with it. You know what, you know what I mean? Definitely, like, um, maybe them doing it like a like a musical, like an actual live stage musical, because they were singing while uh, acting, which is not what they normally do. So yeah, that definitely could be. And in fact, one of the singers, um, uh, I'm gonna forget her name, Rachel. No, crap, I can't think of her name. My dog is going crazy. I apologize. Um, um. <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson is her name the the actress she is the only one I think who doesn't sing in the movie um, <sighs> she actually has a voice double and it's a I can't remember the singer's name but she is from um, I think from the voice and uh, or one of the voice contestants I should say at some point um, and that song is great though like her voice but that's I think the only one who doesn't sing who's in it but there's a song with Efron and Hugh Jackman and I described this in my review um, I'd say it's spoiler free but it uh, not just the song. I love the song. The song is great because they're essentially Hugh Jackman's trying to recruit him into working with him, and Efron's trying to like turn it away. And the song is great in that way because it's like it, you know, it's basically a like a negotiation happening in song form, which I really enjoyed. But the choreography of that scene is so great because there's a, they're in a bar, and the bartender is heavily involved with the choreography where like he's serving drinks to the beat of the song. And, like, um, Hugh Jackman is trying to get Efron drunk to, like, make him say yes to the deal. And it is, it's just, it's so great. Like, I was laughing and, like, enjoying the song at the same time. I don't know. Uh, the movie's not getting the best critical reviews, but I, I enjoyed it very much. My wife loved it. Um, she was, like, the biggest fan of it, where she walked out, like, she wants to see it again in the theater. Yes. Um, she, she wants the soundtrack. She doesn't do that. She does not do that. And she almost didn't come. Um, and Taylor was <sighs> Taylor was really excited about it, and I think we were both like, "Come on, just come. You're gonna like it." And she ended up loving it, um, which I really wish she saw La La Land in the theater. I think she would have had the same reaction to La La Land if she had seen it on the big screen. When we watched it, he um, she didn't give it a hundred percent of her attention, and so she did not love La La Land. Uh, she didn't dislike it, but she didn't love it. Um, but she loved The Greatest Showman. So, and my daughter also enjoyed it. So. Um, is Michelle Williams in it a lot? I just love her. Not enough. I don't think she's ever in anything I see in anything enough. Yeah, she's Agreed. always like a side character, and um, I've seen one or two of her leading parts. Like obviously, um, we Blue watched Valentine. Blue Valentine, where that was a huge leading part, and she's fantastic in that movie. And to be fair, she's fantastic in everything, even those small parts. But I like I would have liked her a little. She needs more. more screen time. She does. Uh, this is definitely heavy Hugh Jackman. Um, but there's a song that I, it's called "This Is Me" um, in, on the soundtrack. But it's it's I'm calling it the freak anthem because um, it's the song that the uh, the bearded lady kind of like she sing she initiates the song when she has had enough of hiding and like is basically proclaiming that I'm tired of being an out uh, like um, an outcast. 
And mm-hmm. man, that song hits the emotional beats. Like if you've ever felt like an outcast, that is your anthem. It is, and it is, uh, it's super powerful. Like I, I love the song, and apparently Kesha uh, has a version of it um, for like. I don't know if they just had people because on the Moana soundtrack, there's the songs from the movie, but then there's additional songs performed by like artists outside of the film. Like Alexia Cara did the um, the the uh, I can't even think of the name of the song now, but the main song from Moana, Alexia Cara did, and then someone else did the uh, "You're Welcome" Dwayne Johnson song. Like another artist did that. Um, I don't. I like the movie versions better, but uh, I I found today that Kesha did it. I, won't, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm gonna give it a go. But. Mm. Well, that's what we've been watching, which I'm sorry, because we probably went on a longer rant than we should. We don't have too much to get to for home video and theatrical releases, though. Not like last week, but we have a few. Um, let's start with our home video releases for December 26th, um, starting with a movie that I think has been on Netflix for a couple of weeks, but is now coming to home video, uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99, which is directed and written by the same guy who did um, Bone Tomahawk. Uh, oh. It stars Vince Vaughn in a very unusual role. Um, he is like a like a enforcer for a mob boss, oh, I think. Dang. Um, and it's got mixed reviews from what I've heard because it's supposed to be like super violent. It's two hours and 12 minutes. A former boxer turned drug runner lands in a prison battleground after a deal gets deadly. Um, it's him. Oh, I didn't realize it was the girl from Dexter. Um, Dexter's yeah, sister. Jennifer Carpenter. I was like, whoa. Don Johnson from Miami Vice is in it, um, and other things, but I like to refer to him there. Oh, Udo Kier, who is also in um, Downsizing, actually. And Fred uh, Melamed, who is the, um, he's in a lot of stuff that I've seen. Yeah, um, I've heard mixed things. Uh, it's got a 72 Metacritic, though, 79 Metacritic. Um, but I am pretty sure this is still on Netflix, so you don't have to buy it, but if you really liked it, I guess you should buy it to support the filmmaker. Um, I love Bone Tomahawk, so I do need to give this movie a go. Um, although I've heard it's not as good as Bone Tomahawk from the people that I listen to, like podcast wise. But it, it, Vince Vaughn is an interesting um, actor for me because when I was younger, I really liked him a lot. I found him very funny um, and almost I, always charismatic. But I like him in dramatic things, but I did like him in the Psycho. Um, wow. Dream. Uh, I liked him. Sorry, guys. That's not a. I don't. I mean, I don't know that I hear people single him out for that. Most people just I liked bash him the it. movie. Well, it's more like most people bash the movie because how dare you try to remake a Hitchcock film? Um, I can appreciate that, but I don't know. And I really liked him in A Cool Dry Place, and I watched that kind of recently-ish, like within the last year or so. My mom liked that movie. Is how I originally saw it, and. He plays a single dad, um, and his wife has, like, abandoned he and his son, and then she, like, tries to come back. I don't know. It's a dramatic role, but I liked it a well, lot. The biggest shock for me was Hacksaw Ridge when he played the um, the drill sergeant. Oh, dang, yeah, and he's a, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, went, I forgot about that. When I heard that, I was like, what? That's not going to work. And then it totally worked, and I was really yeah. surprised. Um, he was great in, in Hacksaw Ridge. Um, and still gets a laugh towards the end, if I'm not mistaken, because he gets shot in the butt or something like that. There's like a joke that happens towards the end that I thought was really it was it felt organic. It didn't feel like Vince Vaughn forcing his comedy or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, that's Brawl and Cell Block 99. Um, also coming to home video is a movie that had a very short theatrical run. The Mountain Between Us, 
um, starring Kate Winslet and Idris Elba, um, Bo Bridges, apparently for a few minutes, um, Dermot Mul, uh, man, Mulroney, who's a guy I've seen a lot, but he's not always like a lead. Um, this was the movie where there's a plane crash and Idris Elba and Kate Winslet find themselves like, you know, they're, they have to depend on each other. Uh, it's 48 Metacritic, 6.3 user score. I'm sure the performances are good because it's Winslet and Idris Elba and they're both great, but I don't think, um... I don't think the movie's going to be that great. Um, but I might check that one out. That's one I, I meant to see, and I just never made it to the theater. I thought that you had seen it, but... I never... I was going to, and I, I don't remember what, what came out the weekend that it came out, but sometimes I find it hard to get to the theater. Like, I'm uh, I am not going to get to see Pitch Perfect 3 probably until Christmas Day, because my wife wants to see it, and our schedules are not uh, meshing to in order to pull that off. So, um, like, my daughter and I, though... I went to uh, Greatest Showman Wednesday night. We went. I went to Downsizing Alone last night. Taylor and I went to The Shape of Water today. I think tomorrow we're going to go rewatch The Last Jedi, um, which is really cool because she really wants to go more. Like I want to anyways, but she's like, "Can we go? Can we go again?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, we can totally go again." So no problem there. Um, and then Sunday, uh, I'm going to watch um, for our movie club next week. Uh, my brain just went dead. What are we watching? Um, it's a wonderful life. And then uh, I'm hoping Monday, maybe after we have our Christmas dinner, that we all go see Pitch Perfect 3. Because um, I, I really do want to see that. Uh, not because I think it looks good. I actually think this one looks really bad. But I need to complete oh. the trilogy. Um, so Don't you hate being that person? I hate being that person. Yeah, but, I'm just like, seriously, Corey? Jesus. I, to be fair, I hope it's great. Like, cause I, I, no, yeah, fair enough. The second one isn't as good as I want it to be, but I still like it. This one looks really ridiculous, though, and it looks like they. I'm glad this is supposed to be the last one, because um, it does look like they've they've jumped off the deep end with some of the the bits in the trailer. Maybe it'll feel more organic when we're there. But like, they, there's there looks like there's like at least two action set pieces that I'm just like, how is this happening? Why are we having action scenes in a girl acapella group? Like that's not that's not why I'm at this movie. Like I want good songs and I want comedy. That's all I want from pitch perfect. I want to laugh and I want to enjoy the music. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> so I don't know. But know your audience people. Speaking of a movie that was really disappointing. That's coming out on home video on Tuesday is flatliners. Um, this has a 27 Metacritic, which I didn't know, but I gave it that low of a score too. So I'm glad to see that other critics agreed with me has a five user rating on IMDb. So it's just, <laughs> going to show nobody really liked this movie and it's such a disappointment because there's a great cast behind it you have ellen page diego luna um okay great cast might have been an overstatement there's two really great actors in this movie um and then there's a few good ones um because i liked uh nina debra debrev um i don't james norton was not great kiersey clemens is that her name is it clemens sorry i'm waiting for yes it is uh she was good um, a little manic at, in the movie, but the movie was just really, really bad. Um, very disappointing, and especially because I actually liked the 80s one, um, which we watched I for sh- Movie Club. Just about to ask you how you felt about that. I, I couldn't remember. I knew we watched it, but I didn't remember how much you liked it. I liked it a lot more than I expected to like it. It did feel very 80s, but I still enjoyed the movie very, very much. Um, so uh, of those home video releases... Um, I would say Brawl and Cell Block has probably got my most, uh, have piqued my interest the most. What about I you? Just blanked, I just blanked out. I know not the mountains between us, not this one. So Brawl and Cell Block 99? 
I thought there were four. Nope. But yes. Three. I think because sure. I, I went on a little rant about Pitch Perfect, so. <laughs> okay. That one's in theory. Yes. I apologize. I gave, I gave my movie plans because um, I'm watching a lot of the like. There's so many movies that came out this week, and there's other stuff coming, and I just realized <gasps> that she's in this too. Um, there's also. Our theater, uh, where I went today to see uh, The Shape of Water, which was not supposed to show up there. I was really shocked that it ended up coming. Um, it also We also got Darkest Hour, which is the Winston Churchill movie with Gary Oldman. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm hoping to make it back there at some point this week, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to. But I really want to see that while it's in theaters. And then uh, we have movies coming out on the 29th, uh, which is next Friday. Uh, most of these are going to be very limited release, so don't expect them to be in all um, all multiplexes. Um, but there is a chance, especially if you do get independent films. Um, although this first one is supposed to go in over 2,000 theaters next Friday. So there's a good chance you will be able to see this. This is all the money in the world. Have you heard about this movie, Corey? Um, yeah, that has Michelle Williams in it, doesn't it? It does have Michelle Williams, also Mark Wahlberg. And directed by Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, and it was originally supposed to be with Kevin Spacey. But and um, did he get dropped because of the allegations, or he dropped out before that? He got dropped after the allegations, and this this movie is coming out officially on the 29th, right? They did two weeks of reshoots where Christopher Plummer took Kevin Spacey's character, and Chris, <laughs> Christopher Plummer was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for a Golden Globe for this movie that he just finished filming. Um, like a week before the nominations for the Golden Globes came out, so this. So I've only I've not been able to like watch the trailer or whatever with any sound. It I always seem to remember when I'm at work or something. Um, but so he says that he's not going to pay it, pay right? And the he's not going to pay the ransom in the trailer. I think correct. Plumber does, yeah. Yeah, the grandpa. And I, like I said, I haven't been able to watch with sound and I haven't been able to, like, give it my attention. For some reason, I thought that it was her husband or something and she was trying to convince his dad. But it looks like it's his grandfather. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. But um, it is, I think, based on a true story. Um, yeah, it's just the story of the kidnapping of 16-year-old John Paul Getty III and the desperate attempt by his devoted mother to convince his billionaire grandfather, John Paul Getty, to pay the ransom. Um, I It looks interesting. Um Ridley Scott's hit or miss for sure with me, especially. Um, and but I am a big like we were just talking about Michelle Williams, and here she is getting the shine. And Mark Wahlberg, I I don't see everything he's in, but I I do like him. I am not a Mark Wahlberg hater. He does have some cheesy uh, delivery of lines at times, but I'm also a Keanu Reeves fan, and so does he. You know, Inferno will never be let down. Um, but all the money in the world, I'm hoping, it is going to come to my theater. I don't know that it will, but if it does, I'm definitely in to see it. Um, but we got two other movies that are coming in limited release. Um, some, again, more than others. This first one is going to be in quite a few theaters, but still not everywhere. And it's um, Aaron Sorkin's directorial debut, Molly's Game. What? Yes. Um, Aaron Sorkin, who I am a huge fan of his writing. I, I love Jobs especially, or Steve Jobs especially, but... This is uh, stars Jessica Chastain, Idris Elba, Kevin Costner, Michael Sarah is playing. Um, he's not a lead, but he's supposed to be playing a um, uh, Tobey Maguire, I think, type character because this is based on a true story of Molly Bloom, an Olympic class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high stakes poker game and became an FBI target. Um, it's written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, but it's based on a book by the the person Molly Bloom. Um, 
and Chris O'Dowd's got a, a part in it. And I'm a big fan of Chris O'Dowd. Um, there's some familiar faces in this, but the trailer looks really compelling. I've heard the uh, it's if you love Sorkin dialogue, it's there, but that the direction leaves a little to be desired. Uh, but I think your casual moviegoer won't notice that so much. So um, um, it looks it really also, interesting. It also has our boy Steve from Stranger Things. Oh man, he's Joe Keery. Nice. I don't know what his part is in it, but we love Steve, Uncle Steve, Dad Steve. <laughs> Where do you? See? Oh, he's way down there on the list. Um, yeah, Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, I I'm definitely in to see this. I'm hoping it's gonna at least come to Lakeland for me. Um, I don't think it's currently showing that though. It looks like it's gonna be like in Orlando, so I might have to sit that out for a little longer. But I I'm expecting it to get some Oscar attention, possibly just for uh, best original screenplay. Um, Maybe nothing. I've heard Chastain is amazing in it, though. Um, it's supposed to be one of her best performances. And I definitely want to uh, to check that one out. Um, the last movie is the one that is super limited for this week. It's going to be a wider release in January. But it's Paul Thomas Anderson's newest film, The Phantom Thread. It's just Phantom Thread. There's no the. I apologize. Phantom Thread. Um, currently sitting with 25 critic reviews out of 94 on Metacritic. Um, stars Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, and supposedly his last role, he's claiming he's retiring. Um, I can't remember if this was his last role or if he's retiring after this one, but he's said he's retiring. Um, Vicky Kreps, uh, who's a, I think a newcomer, Leslie Manville. Um, the trailer is supposed to barely reveal nothing, but it's, everyone seems to love this movie. I'm sorry. It's not only a 94 Metacritic, but it's also a nine on IMDb user score. Um, and that's Shoot. what I'm hearing. It's just, and this is the normal PTA fashion. If you were, if you've seen There Will Be Blood, have you seen There Will Be Blood? Um, I get that. I get the titles mixed up. That's where Daniel Day Lewis plays. Um, the oil tycoon. An oil. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that movie is one that um, it's a, a perfect film almost in terms of critical analysis. But uh, it's also a film that most people, just general casual movie watchers, still love. And Paul Thomas Anderson seems to have that effect for a lot of his films. Not all of them, but um, it very often seems to do that. And uh, I've heard, like, because this movie, it's he's a dressmaker. And so right away it sounds like something you wouldn't, I personally wouldn't be interested in. Um, but I've heard to, I've heard from several sources that I trust that don't go in with that uh, mindset because this movie's going to just win you over. Like, you don't need to worry about that. Like, you're like, oh, I'm not interested. Like, yeah, don't worry about it. Cause, and to be fair, I don't think I was interested in Oil Tycoon either, and I love There Will Be Blood. So, you know, um, I'm all in to see this. I just don't think it's going to be this week for me. I think it'll probably be another two or three weeks before it's close enough for me to see. Um, but if it's near you, uh, check it out because it's supposed to be great. The official date for this is the 25th, by the way. Um, although uh, Box Office Mojo had it listed for the 29th, IMDb is listening it as a Christmas release. Um, so keep your eyes open on Christmas Day if you're looking for a, a well-received film by many critics and fans. Um, it might be playing near you on Christmas Day. What a gift. Uh, of those three, Corey, which one are you most excited to check out? Uh, um, uh, can I pick two? I'm picking two. Okay. Phantom wow. Thread and All the Money in the World. I, I'm going to be even worse. I'm going to pick all three. I can't wait to see all of these movies, actually. I'm I'm a big Aaron Sorkin dialogue fan um steve jobs is and he did the social network he, he wrote he social wrote network that with fincher on the helm yeah oh yeah i love both of those movies so much and it's ah. it's his snappy dialogue because it, it feels like an action movie um his it, his dialogue is so intense um i 
feel like I need to say this, though, about Phantom Thread. I think that it's going to make me anxious. That's how the trailer feels, for sure. Like, even the, the music in yeah. the trailer is very, like, um, on edge. It kind of reminds me of Mother, in a um, way. Oh, I was going to say, like, it's not a war film, but it kind of makes me feel like I'm going to feel like I did uh, during Dunkirk. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I've heard a few things. I'm trying to stay away from spoilers and stuff, so... Not that I know anything, just like that's why what I've heard has been very like cursory like responses. But um, yeah, I I don't think I don't think the trailer is supposed to represent what's in the movie at all, other than it is a guy who makes dresses, like, and he does end up in a relationship of some kind with a girl that you see in the trailer. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've heard I think I've heard the word comedy. But now I'm not sure if I'm mixing all. I've heard way too many things recently, so I'm not sure what I'm, I'm thinking. But that's it. That's what's coming out um, on home video and in the theater this week. Um, there's already so much out in theaters right now. So again, you're gonna have a lot of stuff expanding still. Like Shape of Water is still reaching into other theaters. Darkest Hour, as I mentioned, is in my local, uh, close to my local theater. Um, I think I think The Greatest Showman's worth your time. Uh, if you're looking for a family friendly comedy, Jumanji is really good. Uh, surprising to be to be honest, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, especially if you are a fan of The Rock or, or Jack Black or um, Kevin Hart, uh, they're all on in this movie. So like, if you like any of them, I think you will enjoy the new Jumanji. Welcome to the Jungle. And um, downsizing is interesting. It's the Alexander Payne film. I don't know that I love it, but it's definitely worth watching. Um, to say the least. So, with that, Corey, are you ready to talk about White Christmas? Yes. So, White Christmas is from 1954. Um, it is uh, The plot summary reads, A successful song and dance team become romantically involved with a sister act and team up to save the failing Vermont in their former commanding general owns, which is not finished. They didn't finish their thought in this plot summary. But it stars Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, oh man, I hate when the names get cut off. I always have to go to another window, and now it's not loading. Great, there it is. Oh, Rosemary Clooney. Rosemary Clooney. And who I don't know if has if she has any relation to George, but I'm curious now. Um, Vera Ellen, uh, and Dean Yeager, Mary Wicks, and that's your that's your main people. So we'll stick with that. Um, what are your initial thoughts, Corey? Um, I ended up, I felt like the ending was redeeming. Um, not that the movie was bad. I just felt like it was long winded. It is. A um, long. It's definitely long. Two hours is a little long for this movie for sure. Because I feel like they could have just cut so much. I know that everyone just thinks that I complain about how long movies is, are all the time, but <laughs> <laughs> here I am. And that's my thing. Um, I just, I don't know. I did feel like it was long. Um, I thought that the comedy was pretty good, and I feel like a lot of musicals, or, I mean, is this considered a musical? They sing the whole time. Yes, definitely like a musical. Um, in fact, okay. IMDb listed as a comedy musical romance. Oh, dang. Hyphens. We're hyphenating that. Um, I felt like it, at least in this, they kind of went into the musical numbers a little more naturally than some other musicals that I've seen. Yeah, because the premise is that they are a musical act. Um, I should note that it's directed by Michael C uh, Curtis, um, who also directed Casablanca. So, oh, yeah. oh, 
And I just thought that this was interesting because, you know, like the very opening where it's like, I think that this is Paramount. It's like filmed in wonderful Vista Vision. And I had to do a little digging on Vista Vision. Um, And they only used that filming technique for seven years Mm -hmm. before better filming techniques came along. But I just thought that that was interesting because I have never heard that at the beginning of a movie that I can recall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, uh, I I like so much about this movie. I do agree. It does it drags a little at times, um but there's so much about it that I love. I do think this is one that bears rewatching too. Um especially because the songs are really really good and they uh they can stick with you um if you watch it a few times. Like in fact, um I believe the song White Christmas was actually written for Holiday Inn that stars Bing Crosby as well and um I've not seen that film, but uh, I think this movie was made as a result of that song's popularity, and they wanted to uh, give Bing Crosby another, you know, outlet. Um, I love Danny Kaye though in this movie so much. Um, he plays Phil Davis in the film. He is the uh, foil to Bing Crosby's Bob Wallace. Um, they are in the army together at the beginning of the movie, and um, he saves Wallace's life uh, and gets hurt in the process. Wallace feels like he owes him. And it's right away a source of comedy because it's very clear that he's not as hurt as he is playing it up to be. And I love that. That, In fact, that's one of the things I love about this movie. There's these constant little um, references that they reference their own jokes back and forth throughout the movie. And I, the timing is so good. And I, it it's very sitcom-esque. And I, I am a fan of sitcom, so it works for me. I, I laugh out loud several times in this movie. Um, there are a few things that I think you could trim like some fat off. And there's like one or two songs there's one dance number I don't like. I think it's the um, the the choreography dance number. It feels very out of place compared to the rest of the movie because it's like he has like the uh, I don't know. Did you ever watch Saturday Night Live when Mike Myers was on it and he did this thing called Sprocket, where he wore like a black leotard and was like a German guy. Um, um I would have to look. I'm. Because I, I feel like Mike Myers might have pulled the the costuming from Danny Kaye's character in that choreography number. Cause that's oh. The... <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't like that. Part- I mean, I don't dislike that scene. But if I were going to trim something for time, that would be the scene that I would cut. Because it doesn't add to the rest of the picture. Like, it, it feels out of place. Um, it feels more like a showcase number. Like, like, it is in the actual movie. It's a part of their showcase but for the film, it doesn't add to the, the, the romance. It doesn't add to the, the Christmas element. It doesn't add to the saving of the, um, the place. And it doesn't add to the, the themes. Like um, Counting Your Blessings, when, when Bing Crosby sings that song to her when they have their late night snack, like that song has plot meaning to it too, you know? Because it, it's kind of talking about like he's, he's grateful for what he has. He's grateful for all the, the success that he's been able to find. Um, and he's not, he's aware of it. He's not an ego driven maniac. Like he's had all this success and he doesn't let that, you know, dictate him. And I guess we should get to spoilers. Cause I'm, I'm dropping a lot of plot points. So, um, I clearly love this movie, Corey, you, you feel like you like it or. Yeah, I like it. I don't know if it's one that I would need to rewatch often. You're wrong. You know what you I need mean? need to rewatch it. Um, I said often. I mean, well, at least once a year for Christmas. Oh, heck, John. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Okay, I'm here to tell you guys. We're about to talk about this movie in some great detail, probably. If you don't want us to give away important plot things and spoil this movie, please go watch White Christmas and then come back and give us a listen. If you're like our friend Mike and don't care, full steam ahead. So, um, the song I was talking about is we have Bob Wallace's character um, who is initially introduced as a guy who's very content uh, being married to his work. He doesn't need to um, find a woman. He doesn't really want a woman. And Danny Kaye's character, Phil Davis, is uh, trying to, well, find some free time. They're, they're now, after the Army, they have this really great, like, touring duo. They're they're doing really well. Um, they've started, like, a production company, and they're doing all these shows and singing and musical numbers and whatnot. And I... Go ahead, Corey. I need to say, though, that all the like we only see one, but I feel like it I feel like it's a good indication of the kind of women that he like introduces him to. That girl is dumb, like super dumb, right? She's she's stupid. I'm sorry. Not sorry. (laughs) Charmed. I'm sure. And I'm like, did you even listen to what he said to you? Worse, she says mutual. I'm sure, which isn't the mutual. Right word. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's not the right word for what she's trying to say, because um, I think they she they ask her how does how are you, how do you do, and she says mutual. I'm sure it's like mm, you can't be mutual to that question. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it can be more than just pretty. Um, well, and that's what you get with the other two girls, though, right? When you meet uh, the sisters, Betty and Judy, um, Haynes. They are beautiful and smart. They are, they're, you know, one, they've even, the fact that they meet them is a manipulation by Judy. She tricked them uh, into coming, which I like that it's in Florida too, like in that scene, um, even though yeah. it's not really in Florida, but it's in Florida uh, for the set. I mean, most of this movie is on a clear soundstage. You can see the painted backdrops and stuff, which is fine. That's how they did it in the studios uh, back in the 50s. So, um, but they meet in Florida. I love the whole thing with the sheriff and like them escaping with the sheriff and the song sisters is one of my favorite songs in this movie. Um, I, I love it's that song. Pretty funny. Um, it was pretty funny. And I loved when the sisters are getting away and then Bob and I'm so bad with names guys. Uh, the two guys, Bob is, uh, Bing Crosby. And then you have, um, Phil, Phil. Yep. Phil Davis. I love when they are like acting out, the song because they put a record on so the girls can get away and they're like dressed kind of not really as women but they've got like their pants rolled up and they're wearing like okay i have a question about that so we call things trouser socks but i think that those are legit trouser socks that they're wearing because they have like cord strap things holding their socks up probably i don't know i i wear ankle socks i don't know (laughs) i I wear little baby socks or flats but i was just like oh my god is that why we call them trouser socks but um I thought that that was hilarious. They're like holding the big feathery fans and like trying to act it out. And I think they have something on their hair and around their neck. And it was just hilarious. And they have the big feather fans that the girls were using. And I love that uh, Wallace hits him a couple of times. Um, there's there's so many little jokes that happen in this movie. Um, I, I want to back up a little bit, though. Okay. Um, when they're first there, when it opens and they're like at war and they uh-huh. do the opening number and everything and then um phil gets hurt like pushing i think he's pushing bob out of the way from a wall falling or something yeah he pulls him out of the way 
And then he's sitting on, you know, one of the army hospital beds and he's all, well, I wrote this number and I really think that we should do this together. And he's like, I'll read it over, but I do solo. And then he's all like, you know, makes a nod towards his arm. Like I got hurt because for you, this is the least you can do. And I was like, you are jerk. Well, then, I know, but it was funny. And then before the scene ends, he shakes, he pulls his arm out of the sling, shakes Bob's hand with the injured arm and then puts it back in the sling. Did you notice that? No, it's the funniest. Like he does that throughout the movie. He does these little jokes that if you're not paying attention or if you're I mean, not that you weren't paying attention, but just like it's one of those things where if you're not like looking for it, you could easily miss it because it's so he does it so naturally. Um, and that's one of those scenes where he like pulls his arm out of sling, shakes his hand, puts it back in the sling. And I'm just like, and oh, God, it's so funny. Later on, he like nods towards his arm again. And I forget the oh, exact that's uh, throughout the film. Anytime he's not anytime Bob's starting to back out of something, he'll like start like kind of moving his arm like it's it hurts and oh the old arm injury and bob always falls for it um even he'll get he knows that it's a trick he knows that it's a manipulation but he still like feels guilty enough that he owes this man his life and that's where i was talking about the blessing song like bob is very grateful for the life that he has not just because uh phil saved it but just he's had this he knows that he's had a very successful life basically just by singing you know and um, he gives back. And when he sees that his poor general, who they respected greatly, uh-huh. and even in the beginning of the movie, the general is being r- removed from duty. Um, and we, it, I don't really understand. Is that because he's old? I believe that's they what don't... we're supposed to get into, that he's he's being kind of forced to retire. Um, that is a definitely confirmed at the point we meet him in Vermont. But I think even then he's being sent home because he's been in active duty too long. Um and he's being forced to retire. That's the implications that we're given. Because when we meet him in Vermont, which is a few years after the war has ended, um, he's trying to get back into the military. He's He thinks he's getting back in and, of course, is turned away. And that, again, is played by Dean Yeager as General, um, Major General Thomas F. Um, sorry, I have to wait for it to load again. Waverly. Uh, wa- oh, Waverly. No, no, that's fine if you see it. Um, and... Uh, I, I love that character, and that's one of my favorite moments in the movie is the end. Um, because I love that. It's it's so heartfelt and real. Um, and, it, I mean, this movie, it has that plot line. It has the love of uh, Phil and, and Bob. It has the love with the girls. But then it also has the love of their general, the respect that they have for him. They come to Vermont um, because the girls have a show at this inn. They don't know he's there. It turns out he's the owner. Uh, there's no snow in Vermont, which is, of course, the irony of the title because they go there looking for snow. It's a ski resort, and there's no snow in Vermont, and so it's not going to be a white Christmas. Um, and they, because of the, the no snow, he's going under, the inn's going under, and they don't want to see their poor general lose everything he has. Um, so they want to put on a show, which, of course, gets back to Bob's point. Uh, the, the girl he is interested in is played by Rosemary Clooney, and her name is Betty. Um, Betty, there's a, that classic misunderstanding type thing, which always drives me nuts in movies. But it's like, uh, also, I'm like, you wouldn't even ask him. You just got mad at him and started ignoring him. But I feel like I know that I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Making assumptions or believing what somebody else says to me in regards to someone, yeah. you know. And I'm like, you should have just like, you. she like left and went to a whole new state instead of just listening to him. That it was partly him and then her sister uh, announcing her engagement with Phil, which was mm-hmm. fake. But that I think it was that was all of it. it was like too much for her to handle, and she just bailed and went to New York. Um, which he wins her back with that really great speech where he says, "You know, we're not taking any of the money. 
um, all all the proceeds are going to go to help our friend, our you know the man we respect, and um, that wins her back. <coughs> I just want to cry thinking about it. Yeah, that I I love that scene and him being so surprised by it. Um, it's just great, and um, I I I choke up there, and then um, her giving him the 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 statue of the guy on a horse which is a reference to something they had a conversation about earlier with the man on a horse. I don't remember what it was. Um, but that's, this movie has a lot of callbacks where like, if you're, cause it's two hours and there's a lot of stuff that happens. There's a lot of songs in this movie. And so it's easy to miss some of that stuff. And there is a, there's a lot of references and I've seen this several times. Um, I think I've only seen it recently the last three years. I think I had a long gap where I hadn't watched it because it is long. It's a, it's a two hour commitment. Like it's, it's not a quick watch. Um, but it is a fun watch. I, I enjoy so many of the songs in this movie. Um, white Christmas obviously is a great song. I love the counting your blessing song. I love sisters. Um, I liked when they do the little medley for the no snow, um, song. Oh, and that was, I didn't want to talk about it before we got into spoilers, but when they are on the train to Vermont, like I, I felt like that just happened so naturally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love everything about that. Like when the door opens and the girls are there, and like he, like Phil's trying to like hide the door. <laughs> yes. And, and when Bob realizes what it was, like when he realizes it's them, and he's like, "If I go back there and there's two blonde women in that room, uh, it's just," <laughs> and they show up like at that time to thank him. Oh man, it's so great. Like, it's, there's so many little things that are just so funny um, in the movie. Uh, I, I love so much about it. Um, it, it's very like in the relationships I think between like Phil uh I love when Phil gets so nervous with girls which is so funny to me because he seems like he would be more of like a playboy but like he starts like stuttering and it's, his voice gets high pitched when the girls are talking to him um and he does that weird little thing um when they sit down what does he say um like you me me you something oh man I can't remember the words now but I like he has like a little quote he says when they first meet the girls and then on the train, he does it again. We're like, oh, boy, girl, boy, boy girl. Or, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he says something like, isn't this cute? Boy, girl, boy, girl, or something like that. Like, it's it's just, I don't know. There's something about him that I really, really like um, as an actor. Danny Kay won me over many years ago with this movie. And again, when I watch it every time, I'm just, I just love him in this film so much. He's so funny um, and so human. He just feels like a real guy. Like, he doesn't feel like a character to me. Um and that's there's so many good songs. I'm trying to think if I'm missing any songs that I really really love. But um what what did you think about the music overall? Um it's not uh I don't know how to say this. Like if it came on the radio or something for Christmas or like watching it in the movie, I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's something that I would seek out. Well, yeah. I I I feel like it needs to be. You know what I mean? I um, I think I do. Um I do I don't think I've ever listened to the, anything with the exception of White Christmas, um, which just comes on like any Christmas playlist that I have ever listened to. Like it just ends mm-hmm. up there because it's such a classic Christmas song. But um, I would say I, uh, I I sing the sister song a lot um, for like I mean, like throughout the year, I don't even know what it'll trigger something with me. And I'll just start singing it like randomly. Um, I've never listened to it outside of the movie, though. I just know it from the movie. And from this viewing, I have been singing the Counting My Blessings song like all since I watched it on Wednesday. 
or Tuesday, whatever day I watch. I think oh, it, Tuesday. It, it just keeps coming into my head where I'll be just like, I'm counting my blessings. I can't sing. Sorry, everybody. But um, it just keeps, uh-huh. keeps popping in my head. And I saw a musical this week, mind you, with a soundtrack that I've listened to like at least three times already. Um, and yet that song is still popping into my head. Like it's that embedded. And I don't know why. I don't remember ever singing that one before this viewing. But for some reason, it really stuck with me from this viewing. Um, I think I, I think I took more from that song in that sequence than I ever had in the past. Um, cause I'll say I've seen this movie a lot uh, throughout my life, but I don't think I've ever sat and watched it like I did for this episode. I think I always, cause before watching it for, th- for something like this, it's just on at Christmas time. You know, I look up when I want to look up but I keep doing what I'm doing otherwise Where this viewing. I, I actively watched the movie. Um, you know, I intently watched it because I knew I was going to be talking about it. And I did notice some stuff that I never had, and I think that song was one of them. Like, I've heard the song dozens of times, but I and, and I even the jokes about, like, because he says if you want to dream about a blonde, you have a ham sandwich. If you want a brunette, you have a turkey sandwich or whatever it is. And then she's like, what if you have liverwurst? He's like, you dream about liverwurst. And I, I don't know yeah. about you, but my grandma used to make me liverwurst sandwiches when I was a kid. And I don't think I've had liverwurst since I was a kid because of that. It was a grandma. I don't thing. even know what that is. It is a. It, I'm one fairly certain it is ground up liver, um, but it comes. It comes in a tube like. Uh, Ew, with the pickles and stuff in it. No, that is olive loaf. That's disgusting. Um, it is. Uh, it's just like a. It's. I think it's like pate, but like really cheap pate. Um, Ew. I I always liked it as a kid. I never really questioned what it was. I just knew it was liverwurst. It was tasty. It's uh it's a weird texture cuz it is like a uh well it's like a pate. Ew, it texture. looks like a spam. I wouldn't say it. I mean, it's the same color, I guess. Well, no, it's more gray. Um, but I always liked it. And so like that little joke stuck with me as for, you know, I always remember that joke, but I I don't the song never stood out to me until this viewing and it's again, it's just been in my head, in my head. Um but yeah, I I could agree with you. Like I don't think I would add that to like my musical soundtrack uh playlist that I have um or my musical musicals soundtrack um but at the same time I I like a lot of the songs I don't know that I would like listen to them by themselves but in the context of the film I love I like them very much again with the exception of choreography which I don't hate I just think it's so long of a dance number and I don't care enough about the dance number so that it's just I think that scene could go out. Uh, everything else I love almost like I would be hard pressed to tell you what other scenes I think could leave. Um, I guess you could speed up a little bit of the, the romance drama. Like like if she doesn't have to go to New York or if she just talks to him about it or they have a fight, it'd be better. But um, but yeah, um, I like it. Uh, di- overall, would you say you like the film? Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to give it my Christmas must-see rating, which is... Uh, if it's Christmas time, I think it's a must-see film. What about you, Corey? I... Ooh. Oh, man. She really is torn about this one, folks. Well, because I'm thinking about in regards... Because it is a Christmas movie. And as a Christmas movie... Um... Uh... I'm... Mm. Cheese and rice. I'm torn between musty film and not quite golden pony boy. Well, I I think that's acceptable. You're in the range. Um, 
and that's our rating for White Christmas, folks. Um, I think you should check it out if you've never seen it. If you have seen it, and it's been a while, I think it's one you should rewatch for sure. It definitely um, there's large parts of this movie that don't focus on Christmas. This isn't a direct Christmas film. Uh, the ending and the beginning, though, are at Christmas. Like you start at Christmas in World War Two, uh, presumably, and then um, we see Christmas at the end of the film. And uh, there's references to snow and stuff throughout, but it's definitely Christmas bookends. Um, you have gaps where there is no Christmas references, um, other than it being like cold. Um, but I, I do think this movie is a Christmas watch. Um, I want to say too that I haven't. So my I know being Crosby, duh, and. Um, you know, like my meme loves his music and stuff, but I've never seen him in a film. And I, I mean, I figured he must be not, you know, like natural, you know, cause he's had such a long career and everything or, you know, in such a popular career, but I didn't, ex- I don't know. I, I know you loved Phil, but I really love being Crosby. In this. Yes. I like him too. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, thought- I didn't talk about him enough, but he was like super, I don't know how to explain it. Um, he was just really chill and just seemed like a real person, yeah. not a star playing. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. I did make a comment to my wife, though, that I, looking at uh, Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby and knowing that Bing Crosby was like a heartthrob, I see Danny Kaye being a much more handsome-looking guy than, than Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby's got the eyes. Like, his eyes yeah. are very hypnotic, but... I think Danny Kaye is a better looking, like more, maybe even more average looking guy where like Bing Crosby's, there's something weird to me about his face. Like it looks, and I'm not like, you can judge me if you want listeners, but I, I'm being, I'm, I'm secure with my sexuality. I very much love my wife, but I can look at a man and say he's handsome and feel comfortable with it. And I think Danny Kaye is more handsome than Bing Crosby. And maybe that's why I don't get it, but <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. Do you? How do you feel about that? Do you think Bing Crosby is the more handsome of the two? I think that there is. I don't know. I feel like there's more attractive about him, but not necessarily his looks. If that makes sense. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. And no, I don't I can see that. usually like blue eyes either, but he does have really beautiful blue eyes. They really but I feel pop. like it's they stand just out. like. I don't know. It's just like his whole presence. I, that makes sense. There's definitely a confidence about his character, even um, that. But I think it's is, not like douchey it's not like no no not at all um i would say it's almost the opposite there's a confidence and like a maybe even a leadership quality about him um where he's going to protect the people that are in his uh steed kind of thing you know he's going to make sure everyone's taken care of um that like it's a strong character like um and i think that's kind of his persona too i think that's what he plays in the other movies he's in he's in holiday inn as well um, which I heard is less plot heavy and more of like a musical tied together with a very oh. thin plot just to get the, to the next song. Um, that's what I heard. I've not seen it to make that judgment. I'm planning on trying to squeeze that in. It's on Amazon Prime uh, Instant right now. But oh. we've said enough, I think, about White Christmas. Um, we need to talk briefly about our last movie of the first year of Burke Reviews Movie Club. We have uh, f- made it through 51 weeks. Next week will be our 52nd episode and our 52nd week of doing the podcast. And we are ending on a movie that Corey has never seen, but I have and love, and I am very much looking forward to rewatching it. 
It's from 1946. It's A Wonderful Life, which I have already mentioned earlier on this episode. But stars uh, James and or Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed. Um, and those are really our two main characters. There's several other characters in it, but those are the two big ones. Jimmy Stewart being the biggest one. Uh, directed by Fr- Frank Capra. Um, I love this film. I know that they are the this podcast comes out on Sunday. I know that Regal Cinemas is showing It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas Eve, which is this Sunday. Um, and I can't stress enough, if you've never seen it, making it to the theater would be a really cool opportunity. I got to see it in the theater last year. I may go again this year. I may not. I, I own two copies of this movie, both digital somehow. My bad. Um, but uh, I don't know what you're doing, Corey, for Christmas Eve, but if you can make it to see Family. It, oh, well, that's lame. Um, what time? <laughs> what time is your family thing? Uh, it starts at 3. Oh, I'm pretty sure they're doing 2 o'clock, too, so you're just missing, like... Dang. Yeah, uh, they're probably doing 2 and 7. That is the times that I recall, so yeah. Um, I, I, man, I wish you could see it on Sunday. Uh, one, I really would, I'd like for you to watch it before Christmas, if you can. Not that we're recording then, just I think, I think it's so powerful at Christmas that if you can see it, even if you watch it on Christmas Day, I think that would be the best scenario. Um... No matter how you watch it, you know, t- even if you watch it on your phone, I just think timing is important with this movie. We are episode won't come out till the new year, um, or at least New Year's Eve uh, for It's a Wonderful Life. But we will have watched the movie by then. I am watching it on Sunday because um, I'm hoping we're gonna have another guest on our episode next week. Um, oh, our my longtime friend and movie buddy, who I used to not say by name, um, but David Ortega, who is our current um, editor for BerkReviews.com. Um, has never seen It's a Wonderful Life. And I've um, he and I are going to be exchanging our Christmas gifts with each other on Christmas Eve, and we're going to watch It's a Wonderful Life together. Um, and I'm hoping to bring him on the podcast next week uh, since it'll be both his and your first time ever seeing this um, Christmas classic that I absolutely love. And I honestly think in today's, t- in today's world, we need this movie more than ever. Um, I think it, it is a beacon of optimism, and a reminder uh, to be grateful for what we have. And um, I, I absolutely love this movie. The first time I watched it as an adult was, I think, four years ago. And it brought uh, so many tears to my eyes. Um, like, just so many. And I, I I love this film so much. And I can't wait to watch it again. So um, that is going to be our last episode for the year. When we come back in 2018, we will be back week one. Don't worry. Uh, we're not going anywhere. But we're going to be starting um, a little bit more thematic focus every month. We'll have a new theme. Our focus for January is going to be um, the top 100 movies on Rotten Tomatoes that we have never seen. So we'll be picking uh, a movie a week that one of us hasn't seen that's in the top 100 from Rotten Tomatoes. And um, we'll be mixing that up. But that's how we decided to start the new year. Um, try to get some of these big movies off of our gap list, things that are well-regarded critically. And for some reason, Corey and I have skipped, or at least one of us has skipped, and um, try to knock those off of our gap list. Um, So, Corey, do you have anything to add? I just feel really accomplished that this will be a year. A year, right? And, I mean, to be fair, it should be noted that we're we're starting almost year uh, three of top five movies is that right not not quite year three but in like march i think will be 
the end of two years, and we'll be starting year three for top five movies. So, um, oh, you're doing two podcasts, and that we it's a lot of time that we put into this. Um, we make currently no money doing this. I actually spend money doing this, and um, that's this is a good time to mention our Patreon. <laughs> If you like what we're doing and you want to support the podcast, make sure that we're able to keep this going long term, which we are at least doing another year. That's the goal. Um, hopefully we can keep going longer than that. But um, you can go to our website, BurkeReviews.com, click on the support um, link and uh, become a Patreon member for us. Um, you get rewards for every tier, but starting at a dollar a month, um, going up to I think as much as... I don't remember where it stops now. If it's twenty, we'll take all your doll but, hairs. Um, and we'll again, take all your monies. We're not asking for one person to support us. We're asking for everyone who listens to give what they are able to give, and it, it just helps defer the cost of uh, running the website, running the podcast, um, buying equipment to keep the podcast going, and of course, what we're doing costs money. Sometimes Corey and I pick movies that we have to buy in order to review, and while a lot of times it's not, it ends up being worth it, there has definitely been a few duds that we now own. Um, for one reason or another so uh and we subscribe to a lot of different movie services so that we can watch these movies um so there's a lot of costs in doing this and we're not asking to become millionaires by making this podcast if that were to happen that would be amazing but that's not the goal we're just asking, and we would be counting our blessings we would totally be counting our blessings and again if you don't want to just give us money um, or you don't like the idea of a monthly thing if you are shopping for movies if you can click on our amazon links on the on the uh, website burkreviews.com to buy those movies um it does help us we get a little kickback for every uh click that comes through our site to buy the movies so if you're going to go ahead and buy a movie that we talked about like if you're looking to buy um uh brawl on cell block 99 that's coming out this tuesday buy it through our website and that helps us too so there's multiple ways you can help us um and of course even with patreon uh, you don't have to subscribe. You, you can cancel any time. You're not committed to a certain length of time. So you could do one month if that's all you can do, or you can do whatever. Um, not meaning to beg, but it does help if we can get uh, our listeners to support us. Um, and if, at the very least, if you can support us by telling other people about our podcast, sharing it, uh, making them listen to it, or you know, going to iTunes, rating us, and uh, just giving us a review, telling people what you think of the podcast helps new listeners find us, which could help get more patrons. And thus um, alleviate the cost that we do uh, incur. Uh, yeah, whatever. That's it. I feel awful having to do the spiel, but that's part of it. Um, if you like the movie that we watch or if you dislike what we said or if you want to comment on the podcast or if you want to give us your thoughts on It's a Wonderful Life, please email us at contact at com. That's contact at com. You can follow us on the social medias. I am at Reviews and Corey. Corey the greatest. I'm getting at Corey R. Start with two R's on the end. Um, please listen to our most recent episode of Top Five Movies, where we had director Chris Peckover on, um, where he we talk about his newest film, Better Watch Out, which is an spoiler free. Yeah, spoiler free and an excellent uh, horror holiday comedy. Comedy, I don't like saying because it's not a straight up comedy, but there's a lot of humor in the movie. Um, but it is it is great. A uh, film that we we all have watched and all enjoyed, and uh, we had a great time talking to him. Um, at the end of the episode, he breaks down his top five favorite movies of all time, um, which I was really impressed with his list. I, I love several of the films on his list, and in fact, we sh he and I share one of uh, our top fives. Um, I won't say which, but t check out the episode. It is out now. Um, 
Corey, thank you again for the almost full year uh, of giving Woo-hoo! me uh, giving up your time to do this podcast with me. Um, thank you for including me. We'll be back next week, folks, for the last episode of 2017. Bye, guys. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>